0: This is the Capital Literature Podcast, bringing you investment letters and audio. The Capital Literature Podcast is a SEBITS capital service for the investment community. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. All rights belong to the respective owners. Argosy Investors, 4th Quarter, 2021 January 21, 2022 Dear Investors, 2021 performance was 24.3% in select accounts. The S&P 500 by comparison returned 28.7%. We ended the year with 33% of the portfolio in cash and equivalents, and dipped as low as 15% at the end of the second quarter. Otherwise, cash hovered between 25-35% to 35% of the total account value. Given the wildly appreciating market and high-growth SaaS shares we did not participate in, the result is good. At the same time, approximately half of our returns were driven by just a few companies, namely the IT outsourcing companies Grid Dynamics, EPAM, and Ondava, while we avoided large losses, though our small position in StoneCo was the largest attractor. Even though I don't really have a green thumb, I sometimes find myself thinking of investing in terms similar to farming. When engaging in long-term investing, I find that my best ideas take some time, a couple years or more, to begin showing the performance I expect. For those couple of years, my hard-researched ideas may be lucky to beat the market. In the meantime, I hopefully own shares that are experiencing above-average earnings growth and returns. If I have any hope of performing well with any consistency, I want to have investments in various stages of fruition. If I have too many companies that I expect may take a couple of years to be recognized by the market, then I should expect and condition myself, and you, my clients, to potentially underperform the market for a period of time. Likewise, if I own too many stocks that are doing very well, maybe too well, and my valuation discipline requires me to trim or sell entire positions, again I may find myself underperforming in the not too distant future. The happy medium, the Goldilocks scenario, is if I find companies that can grow and grow and grow in value for a decade or more without becoming egregiously expensive where enticing future returns seem like a pipe dream. Any good company will likely go through periods of being expensive, but as long as they remain in a realm of reasonableness, I can justify holding on. As far as the portfolio is concerned, maybe there will be another stock in the portfolio that will deliver 40-50% to 50% of our gains this year. I tend to think our experience with DIN, where the company increased in value greater than 200% in a single year, is an outlier. Unless the portfolio becomes significantly more concentrated than it is today, one stock should not drive that percent of return. As I survey the portfolio, I see some businesses early in their trajectory. I'm thinking of Arlo, Co. and DFH, mainly, in this category. There are a few businesses that have done well for us where I question their ability to continue to do so for a couple of years or more going forward, in spite of solid underlying fundamental business results. These businesses include DIN, EPAM, DEVA, FSV, FND, HAY, and CSWI. You have seen me trim some of these names in the past despite my appreciation for the quality of their businesses. Some remain small positions which I expect to increase over time, when valuations are more favorable. Finally, there are some companies which I consider more or less fairly valued that offer solid to excellent business prospects. Among these are some major companies we all likely use, like Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, MasterCard, and Google. Others are less well-known, like Allied Motion, Post Holdings, Ferguson, Leslie's, Fortive, Trisura, and Godaddy. All of these businesses offer the prospect of double-digit business earnings growth this year, and frankly, most years. Overall, I believe the returns earned in 2021 may well have overstated this manager's abilities, and 2022 is likely to challenge all investment professionals. Your author not excluded, to produce satisfactory returns. I believe I am up to the challenge but it is possible that 2022 could be a year where defense beats offense and planting seeds today for future rewards could be the best course of action. Existing Portfolio Activity Sold, DEVA, DIN, FSVAL, FRFHF. Bought, DFH. This section will again sound repetitive to last quarter's section on existing positions. I trimmed or eliminated our stakes in DEVA, DIN, FSVAL, and FRFHF during the quarter. I won't repeat the rationale for EPAM slash din slash since they have been discussed in prior letters. We sold Fairfax Financial as some of their cyclical portfolio holdings increased in value due to supply chain shortages. Somewhat frustratingly, management did not monetize many of these positions, such as lumber producers experiencing a once-in-a-generation pricing environment. Since our sale, management has made some shareholder-friendly moves, specifically repurchasing 10% of their shares. While cheap, I did not feel we would ever develop the conviction necessary to own this insurer in greater size. We sometimes hold small positions as we further evaluate management and the business, and in this case we believe there were better opportunities out there. First Service, FSV, is a company we really like long-term that we felt had exceeded any reasonable valuation metric in the short term. We trimmed the size of the position by one-third late in the year, and FSV stock has declined nearly 15% since then. As you can see in the chart below, FSV's valuation increased significantly following the government's interventions to save the American economy. While FSV has become increasingly viewed by investors as a high-quality business run by high-quality people, I believe that it made sense to take some of our investment off the table. Given the somewhat dramatic decline in FSV's multiple since our sale, there may be an opportunity in the future to purchase this security in accounts that did not previously own it, and add to others that still do. DreamFinders Homes. I again added to our DFH position at prices around $16.50, increasing our position by approximately 30%. DFH now represents a mid-single-digit percent of assets and may go higher. I believe DFH earns a high return on capital and is valued at less than 10x 2022 earnings. The business can be deeply cyclical, as all home builders are, but I believe DFH is the best place to be and has some nice growth ahead. New portfolio activity. We added three new positions this quarter, and they have ranged from neutral to horrendous early performance. We like all three businesses for different reasons, and we'll go through each of them here. Leslie's Leslie's, LESL, may not be a name you're familiar with, but they are the largest direct to consumer, DTC, distributor of pool related supplies, with over 900 locations nationwide and the largest organic online traffic of any direct competitor. Like any retailer, particularly one focused on the home, they face some competition from Home Depot slash Lowe's and online from Amazon.com. Pool care is a very service-based business, which is why pool supplies have historically been somewhat more insulated from these large competitors, at least so far. When I think about Leslie's attractiveness as an investment, the slide below has a lot to do with it. Leslie's is clearly fairly resilient to economic pressures, with sales growth during each of the last three recessions. Why are they able to generate such consistent sales growth? From a high level, once a pool is installed, it generates decades worth of annual non-discretionary maintenance expenses without which a pool deteriorates and requires significant capital investment. An unusable pool destroys significant real estate value, so any homeowner with a pool is highly incentivized to maintain their investment. Speaking of pool owners, their average income ranges between $50 to $150,000, averaging well above the typical American household. In other words, the pool owner customer base tends to skew wealthier and likely more resilient to economic shocks. During the pandemic, almost all of us were stuck at home. As you can see from the chart below, many people elected to build pools, and future years are expected to see over 100,000 pools installed per year. This increase in pool construction represents a multi-decade increase in the revenue potential for Lesla and its competitors. I look forward to many years of mid-single-digit or better revenue growth and double-digit increases in earnings, if management is correct about the opportunity. Given the increasing impact of e-commerce on the business, Curve has been strategically closing stores in non-core markets while using the remaining stores more like showrooms where customers can buy items in-store, have online orders shipped to the store, or buy items online that they tried on in-store. The ongoing reduction in stores should result in lower capital intensity and higher returns on capital going forward. Returns on capital are approximately 40% and have upside due to the shift to e-commerce. One risk is the increasing competition from other brands. Increasing awareness of body positivity is causing many brands to shift their focus to serving plus-size female customers just as well as their straight-fit customers. I believe towards authentic and dedicated approach to this market segment gives them plenty of insulation from the half-hearted attempts to appeal to this long-ignored demographic. Despite Curve's strong financial results and differentiated position, we purchased shares around $13, or 11x 2022 cash flows. As it trades today around $9.50, its share price implies an 8x FCF multiple for a strong business, implying essentially no future growth and low returns on capital in the future. It seems plausible to us that with 10% compound growth in profits, Curve can generate 80% of its market cap in cash flow in just 5 years. Perhaps their best course of action if their share price stays this low is to just buy back lots of stock. Assuming 15% annual growth for 5 years, shareholders could expect 20% plus returns from the current $9.50 share price if the business is valued at just 10x free cash flow. There are a lot of ways to win here, and with any expansion in the valuation of the business returns could be even more attractive. Conclusion 2022 has started off a little rocky in the financial markets. We have never been the most aggressive participants, and we like to believe we are flexible enough to buy high-flying technology or payments companies while also purchasing differentiated retailers like floor and decor or torrid holdings. The common thread tying our investments together is the need to articulate a reasonable case for 15-20% to 20% returns. We of course won't earn that rate of return every time, but if we didn't force that discipline on ourselves then we could be a lot less picky we enjoy the hunt and will look for ideas that may not hold interest to other institutional investors or hedge funds when we invest, and we're okay with not owning the hottest stock on Wall Street. I try to give thoughtful explanations of why we own what we own so that you, my investors, can sleep well at night knowing what you own. Please expend some effort to understand the stocks as shared here and ask questions of me if something doesn't add up. It may not feel important now, but your mental and emotional perseverance matters and is paramount to staying in the market long term. Time in the market is the most important ingredient in your financial success long-term. Finally, if you believe my style of investing would be a good fit for you or someone you know, I am always available at 828-999-2033 to discuss your investing goals and determine how we might be able to work together. Until April. Argosy Investors.